invite you to Philippians 4 for a message this morning. Jesus said a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. And uh, maybe maybe it was Jesus' holy life that made it made it difficult for for people to listen to him. Uh, Jesus wasn't wasn't an ordinary man, he was the God man. But uh, as a minister I sometimes wonder <laughs> how difficult it is for people that know me well to listen. Uh, what? Uh, because you know weaknesses and and failures and personality uh, things, but uh, but I would say I've felt support and encouragement from from you and appreciate that very much. Now, one of my weaknesses is that uh, I don't file things very well. And I had this fearful thought, uh, don't follow my sermons very well, I had this fearful thought just a couple hours ago, you know, I think maybe I've preached this sermon here at Bethel before, <laughs> and uh, not, maybe not too long ago. But my wife, my wife said I shouldn't apologize, so I won't. But I have a, I have a, uh, a box and two, two drawers and a briefcase and half a dozen in the in this uh, Bible of sermons, and so I don't always know where I preached them last. But Philippians 4 is a, I, I love this scripture, and one reason I do, it gives me a lot of hope. It's about what we think, and, and uh, it gives me hope as a Christian who's struggled with his thoughts, and look, uh, looking back over childhood and upbringing and uh, cultural influences and realizing, noticing a pattern of the way I think and, and many of them being flawed, some of them being flawed, and being a sinner because uh, we come to this world with some depravity and uh, a depraved mind, and so... Um, gives a scripture like this gives me hope that God and his word can make the difference in my thought life, which then leads uh, to what my attitudes are and what my words and actions are. So this is a wonderful scripture, and I hope, hope you'll be inspired and blessed by it this morning. I titled the sermon, Frame of Mind and Patterns of Thinking. Our mind is a wonderful thing. We think constantly. Sometimes our thinking is good and whole. Other times our thinking is flawed and even wrong. And I've noticed in my life and Christians that I know well that they struggle in their thought life and their feelings, have anxieties and fears, sometimes even sinful thoughts that don't and having sinful thoughts and feelings that don't feel very Christian at all and leaves us wondering what's really going on in our minds. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great if, if when we were saved that 
that included a brand new mind, completely reprogrammed, uh, completely good and whole like the mind, the mind that Adam and Eve had before the fall, where, where they didn't even have the ability to think evil. Wouldn't that be nice if salvation did that for us? Well, practical life shows us that that there's not a, a total healing of the mind at conversion, and the New Testament scriptures show us that too, that there's a need that the, the healing of the mind is not instantaneous, and there's a need for a, a, a process that the Bible uses terms describing uh, as the renewing of the mind. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote to Christian people about every imaginable human problem. He wrote about quarrels and party divisions. We see that in this scripture. Sexual sins, including incest, lawsuits, divorce, separation, uh, drunkenness at the communion table, and, and more. And uh, we realize that those people, and we, uh, need a sanctifying and renewing of the mind and healing of our emotions that will, would, would, would need, we need, we need a change so that our attitudes will be well, our words will, and actions will be right. All this comes out of how we think in our minds. Am I minimizing what happens at conversion in the new birth? No. Uh, to be born again is a, is a wonderful experience. It's an amazing uh, work of God. Sins forgiven, reconciled to God, peace with God, the Holy Spirit uh, dethroning selfish, uh, the selfish sin nature in our hearts and actually coming to live within our bodies, taking up residence in our soul. Uh, so... Conversion is a miracle, an amazing miracle, but it's it's the beginning of a of a process then of God renewing our minds. The initial conversion experience is a beginning of a journey with Jesus Christ, a beginning of a process of taking on the mind of Christ. The new birth is the beginning of the Holy Spirit cleansing and sanctifying our minds and our living. Now, because of uh, because we're flawed by the fall, uh, we have a sinful, we're born as sinners, and because of negative past experiences, uh, we have learned to think in certain ways. And God wants to do a healing and renewing work in our minds to make us whole and to. His goal for for his, the people he redeems is to restore them for to what he meant for human beings to be uh, in creation, and really that means that he wants to make us to be like Jesus Christ, the perfect man, the Son of God. It begins at conversion, and then it's a process that follows. And your your experience as a Christian with your inner thoughts? Are you sometimes disagreeable and contentious in your thoughts about your fellow Christians or other acquaintances? 
Do you ever struggle with nagging doubts and uh, complaining feelings toward God? Are you sometimes uncharitable and judgmental in the way you think about others? Are you sometimes overwhelmed with fears and anxieties? In your mind, do you try to solve your problems with worldly wisdom rather than with God's truth? Do you sometimes struggle with lust? Do you sometimes dwell on uh, unwholesome things, such as news stories and other reports? Do you ever have unkind thoughts and mental arguments with others? Do you ever wallow in self-pity or swell in pride? I actually can collected the, that list from uh, the opposites of what is described here in Philippians 4. Here are just a few verses before I read the text. What the Bible says about renewing of the mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Second uh, Corinthians 4, 16. Do not lose heart. Um, I'm sorry, I can't quite read my writing on this one. Do not lose heart. Out, outwardly, we are wasting away, yet in, inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Ephesians 4, put off the old self, which is corrupted by deceitful desires. Uh, be made new in the attitude of your mind. Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3, you have taken off the old self, with its practices and put on the new self, which is renewed in the knowledge, renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. God wants, he, he's given us a new birth. He's given us his Holy Spirit to, to reside in our hearts, dethroning our, the selfish sin nature. And he really wants to be about changing us all, all the rest of our lives to be like Christ and the way we think and our attitudes of our heart, our words and our actions. I'll read the first nine verses of Philippians 4. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I speech, I beseech Eodius and beseech Sintachi that they be of the same mind in the Lord. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help these women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my yoke laborers, my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation or your gentleness, graciousness be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds, minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, 
whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. And if there be any praise, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the peace of and the God of peace shall be with you. What are your thoughts about others? I believe the early verses here are teaching that we should be agreeable with others. And Paul mentions two sisters in Philippian church that were in some kind of disagreement. Maybe it was a disagreement of methods, or maybe it was, I'm not sure what their disagreement was. It doesn't say here. But there was, there was a problem in a relationship with two sisters in the church. They were quarreling about something. And Paul uh, asks others to help these two sisters to be reconciled and to be workers together. Paul says that they both were co-laborers with him in the gospel, and uh, he calls for them to be reconciled. Now, I've noticed that if I've had a disagreement with someone in the past, then I can... And if it wasn't resolved real well, I can uh, have a disagreeable feeling towards them. <laughs> and here he calls for these women to have the, the same mind in the Lord. And I believe that, is, that he calls for them to have a mind to work together, to be agreeable. To set aside their personal interests for the good of the church. And... Uh, that's real. That's a real challenge for us to to be agreeable people. Have this that be our frame of mind that when we think of others, to have an agreeable attitude towards them. One thing can happen if if people. Um, if there's antagonism between people in the church, that can be a great discouragement in the church. There's there's young young people who, who are looking for role models of how to how to live in relationships. And if they see, especially if they see leadership that can't get along together, or in, anyone in the church for that matter, and and they're desperately needing role models of how to relate to other peoples and when they see disagreement that, that can't can't be resolved and that's a that's a discouragement to young people and others. So the challenge for us here is to be agreeable people, have a mind to work together with others, even if we have some different points of view and some disagreement. I'll just skip ahead to verse 5, which, which I think is a, a similar verse. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. 
This word moderation means gentleness and graciousness. Uh, I think fair-mindedness. There's some other terms that describe it. This word. Be fair-minded and gracious to others. Reasonable. Charitable towards others' faults. Taking in consideration their whole situation. Is that, way, is that the way we think about people? Gracious, reasonable, charitable, rather than impatient, intolerant, judgmental. Let your gentleness be known to all men, for the Lord is near. Now that may mean that the Lord's return is near, and uh, in light of that we should be gracious to others, or we shouldn't, we shouldn't retaliate if we've been wrong because... The Lord is soon to come, and he'll, he'll right all the wrongs. He'll do, the Lord says, vengeance is his. It might mean that. Or it may mean that let your graciousness, your gentleness be, be known to all men, because the Lord is standing right near you, right next to you, and just, just wanting to give you his grace uh, so that you'll be a gracious pr- a person with your acquaintances. Much like a parent within earshot of his child <laughs> and not let us listening and noticing what the child does, uh, the Lord is and wanting to help that child to be nice. So the Lord is uh, very near to us. Let's remember that continued antagonism among uh, within the church can only weaken the church and will certainly discourage those who desperately need a role model in how relationships should work. One thing Paul said in verse 3 that he, he pled with these two sisters to get along together uh, and he said that and he, he, he mentioned some other people that he want, want, wanted to get involved in the reconciliation. And under that, he s- says about them all, there's, their names are in the book of life. And so that's quite a reminder for Christian people, for we Christian people, is that these Christian people we live with now uh, will also live with in eternity. And so we really, really should get along on this side of heaven, shouldn't we? Okay. Teaching that we should be agreeable. We should also be gentle and gracious. Now the next frame of mind that is to be ours is that of rejoicing. Verse 4. Rejoice in in the Lord always. And just in case we missed it, Paul says rejoice. He says it again. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Now, how, how can Philippians obey this command of rejoicing when they, they were facing persecution and hardship and hostility and they had enemies? And Paul wrote about it earlier in the letter. But Paul uh, gives them this command, reminder, command, that they should rejoice in the Lord always. And really, it's a, it's a trumpet call for, uh, it's a call to faith. This call of rejoicing the Lord always rings out with assurance that 
that God is in control, Jesus is Lord, all is according to his plan, good will prevail, God's good will prevail over evil, Jesus will triumph over all enemies, God cares for his children, God is working for good, he will never leave us or forsake us, and in the end all will be well. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Is rejoicing our frame, of, is that part of our frame, the framework of our thinking? That we all have burdens and difficulties, disappointments in life. And uh, will we trust God that, that he's working, he's in control, Jesus is Lord, Good will prevail. God is always with us. He never, for, never forsakes us. He's working for our good. So therefore we can rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Agreeableness, gentleness, and graciousness. Rejoicing. And then the next command is just as difficult uh, that of do not worry. Verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Be careful for nothing. Do not be anxious. Do not be overly anxious about anything. Does this really mean that God wants us to be carefree? Is it really possible to be carefree? I think the times in my life that I felt like I feel this burden and uh, I go around heavy-hearted and wear a long face <laughs> uh, thinking it uh, would be irresponsible not to feel, so bur to feel burdened about whatever the, the burden is. We do have cares and we do have burdens, but... The teaching here is not to be overly anxious because we have uh, God we can trust to, to carry our burdens and carry our cares. Remember the Philippians were, they had real enemies and those who opposed them and persecuted them. They, have th they had things they were frightened about and uh, they're encouraged to to stand firm and not to be overly anxious. And part of the dynamics of this being able to uh, not be overly anxious is that we pray. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. This means general prayers and, and definite and precise, precise requests and then trusting God to work his will in his way in his time. General prayers, definite and precise requests and then trusting God to work his will in his way in his time, resting in his good providence. So we should be praying people to just to lift our burdens, to uh, raise them up to God, let him carry them, not bear them all alone. 
Thanksgiving is a strong ingredient, should be a strong ingredient in our prayers. The reality of God's goodness and mercy can save us from many pitfalls which await the ungrateful soul. That's a, that's a quote. So we should be grateful be, uh, for the many blessings we have. These are also quotes, I think. Overconcern, the pitfalls that, that, that we face are over, an overconcern with our immediate problems, our forgetfulness of God's gracious dealings in the past, and a disregard for others who are in misfortune and need. We can, we can so, become so self-centered about our own problems that we forget uh, to reach out to others who are in need. So we should pray. We, we do have burdens. We do have cares in life. We have our children. We have acquaintances who need to be saved. We have disappointments that have come our way. But we can pray about them and give them to God. Allow him to carry the burden with us. Jesus bears the yoke with us. And uh, we should also look out for others and, and their needs and problems. And as we uh, share in helping others, it, it certainly makes a difference how we, we, we look at our own problems. So is our frame of mind rejoicing? Do we... And, and the, this, this command to rejoice is a, is a call for faith, faith in God. Are we praying? Do we pray with thanksgiving, with much thanksgiving? And then we have this promise that the peace of God, which uh, if we rejoice and if we pray and we uh, trust God, he will give us the peace of God, which passes understanding. That's, this is verse seven. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. Guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This peace of God is a, is a military, uh, these are military terms. The Philippians lived in a Roman garrison town, and so to see Roman sentries guarding uh, the town was a familiar sight to them. Do you remember uh, in Pilgrim's Progress that Emmanuel lived in the the town of Mansoul for, for a while, which was guarded by Mr. Godpeace. And here's a quote from the book. Uh, Nothing was, was to be found but harmony, peace, and happiness, joy, and health, so long as Mr. Godpeace made his office. But when Prince Emmanuel was grieved away from town, Mr. Godpeace laid down his commission and, and departed it also. An illustration of, of uh, what, what this verse says, that the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Our peace is found in G Jesus Christ, and that this peace of God is an in inner tranquility that God gives us. As being in a, in a relationship with Jesus Christ, where sins are forgiven, 
and we're trusting him with our future and our cares. So we're asking ourselves, is our frame of mind, mind joy and thanksgiving? Are we agitated or paralyzed with anxiety, fretful and feverish? Are we praying? Praying generally about many things, broadly, and also very specifically about our personal burdens, and then trusting God to care for us, care for our cares. Are we really surrendering and obeying King Jesus who guards our village, or, or, or do we stray, stray out of town and lose our peace? Now I'm going to very briefly uh, just mention the, the different... Uh, ways of thinking in, in verse verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, finally, brethren, in connection with being in Christ Jesus and in connection with having peace with God and the peace of God in our hearts, if we're going to continue in this peace of God, we must think on these things. The first one is that we're to think on things true. Uh, the Bible is true. Everything the Bible says about God's character is true. God is true. All, the, all his promises are true. All his warnings are true. All his instructions are truth. Jesus personified truth. So we can think about Jesus' character and about Jesus' life and example. And uh, let's realize that Satan and the world whisper many, many untruths to us most every day. So we must guard our minds, God helping us to think about what is true. We can even think wrong thoughts about ourselves. And uh, we can have thoughts that elevate ourselves that are not true. We can we have thoughts of despair where we think we're complete failures. I've, I've been through a time of life like that where I was just sure I was a a, a total failure <laughs> and my God and my wife had helped me understand that, that wasn't really true think on what is true so if we find ourselves in a circle of thinking especially if we find ourselves in a whirlpool of thinking where we're going down we we need some help from God and maybe from others to uh, help us to think things true and we should think about things honest, whatsoever things are honest. That means things that are honest, uh, noble, and honorable, noble thoughts. Noble thoughts develop noble character and conduct. Ignoble thoughts degrade character. So we must be very careful to, to think on things noble. Very important what we read, so, so we'll be thinking noble thoughts. Very careful what we read. Almost zero, I believe Christians should have almost zero tolerance for, for profanity, for violence, for vulgarity, uh, those kinds of things. Not, not to feed our minds with things that are not honorable. And then we're to think on things righteous, 
If we're to maintain our peace with God, peace of mind, tranquility of spirit, uh, we'll need to think on these things. We're to think on things righteous, and I think this especially has to do with how we treat others, how, how to maintain good relationships with our fellow man, things of goodness, integrity, generosity. Uh, God wants to teach us to relate and, and well to others. And so we should be uh, careful how we think about others and and make sure, like I said earlier, th- thoughts that we're gentle and gracious and uh, have kind and loving thoughts about others, not allow ourselves repent if we realize where our thoughts are otherwise. Ask for the grace of God to to think well of others. Think on things pure. Often we limit this teaching to sexual purity, and it does mean that, I'm sure. But it, it, it means more generally sincerity and, and purity in all of life. Pure, pure thinking leads to pure actions. And we must um, discipline our minds and in, intentionally dwell on things that are pure and good. We're to think on things lovely, uh, things of pleasing, attractive, beautiful character, graciousness, kindness, even temper, humility, gentleness, everything that Jesus is. Uh, think on Jesus and his lovely character. Think on things lovely. Think on things good report, things that are praiseworthy and excellent. This may have to do with what we read, what kind of information we take in. One little example of this was uh, been a year or two ago that there was an accident on 501 south of here where a drunken lady hit, ran head on into another car and, and the gentleman in the car was killed. And... Uh, I read the account in the Union Star, which was just kind of a factual account. And uh, But then the Lynchburg News uh, person wrote a, wrote, you know, gave this, the account of the same accident and what led up to the accident. It was much, it was much more, uh, how would you say, sensational and gave, uh, ugly details, and uh, we should be very. Again, I'll say we should, we as Christian people should be uh, careful what we what we read, what we what kind of information we put in our minds, so that we'll think on things excellent. Let's see. Was that the last one? Virtue, praise. Think on these things. I don't know if I have any comments on those words. And then verse 9, Paul held himself up as an example. He said, the things you have learned, received, heard, and seen in me, these things do. And the God of peace shall be with you. That's quite a, quite a testimony. We hear somebody say that today, we'd say they're being arrogant, I suppose. 
But Paul was a kind of godly, Christ-fearing, Christ-loving man that he could say. And he, he was special. He was an apostle because the very words he spoke and written were, were breathed of God. But would to God that our, our life's testimony would be this way, that people that learn of us, receive of us, hear of us, see in us, that we could be an example for them to follow. God could make us that kind of men and women and boys and girls that uh, by his, his power, by the grace of Jesus Christ, to, to change us in our, in our very heart by the new birth and a dethroning of sinful self and a, the Holy Spirit taking up residence and taking the, the, the throne of our soul the, where we make our decisions and our, where we develop our attitudes, the Holy Spirit being in control. So I just want to encourage us that, that if you're a Christian, born again, you've experienced a great miracle in your life, and God now wants to take you to higher ground to change the way you think, uh, just to make you more Christ-like in your thinking and in your very character and the attitudes of your heart. And uh, so let's reflect on these things to, to be people that are in a growing way are agreeable and, and uh, gracious and rejoicing and praying. And then this wonderful list we have in verse 8, so that our lives will be like Christ and will have an impact for the good of his kingdom in this world. God bless you all. Let's have a closing song, then I'll ask Leon to close the meeting.